I just wanted to thank those of you that serve regularly on a Sunday. It means the world. I still remember when we first came in, there were families that were here that made us, even though we felt like outsiders, they made us feel like we walked into our own home. And so with the love and the care that was shown towards us is something that we made a decision to do that when we called Clover Hill home, that Lindsay and I would make every effort possible to make sure that as you walk through the doors of the church, that you would feel welcomed as well. And I just want to invite those of you that are uh, in the journey right now, and you do call Clover Hill home, I want to invite you to be a part of that journey. On a Sunday morning, we want to continue to make room for new people. There's over 300,000 people, I think, in Chesterfield County, and they still need to hear the message of Jesus Christ. And so I hope that you'll join us as well, as, well as, as we welcome other people. And so if you want to be a part of that team, I just wanted to extend that invitation to you. I was here on Thursday night with the creative arts team, and they spent countless hours preparing and practicing and rehearsing. And so you might be one of those people that can give that amount of time, or you might just have about five minutes to spare. All I know is that together we can accomplish some great things. Today we're going to be using the, the text in the, in the book of Genesis. And you don't actually have to turn to the book of Genesis. We are going to have the verses on the screen. But what I want you to do is if you see a scripture reference in yellow, I'm highly encouraging you to either highlight it, make a note of it, take a picture of it, because these are verses that you're going to need at a later time. I know there are countless people that have asked me, Pastor Andrew, will you teach me? Teach me how to pray. And what I know is this, is that when it comes to prayer, I can give you the building blocks or the basics or the foundational things when it comes to prayer. And this is not part of the message, but let me just give it to you. So we pray to our Father who's in heaven. We pray in the name of Jesus, and we pray by the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit that when we begin to pray, our circumstances cave under the weight and the power of what Jesus is able to do. And I know that there's one more thing that I add. And even while uh, Nate was praying, whenever you heard a response from the crowd, there was actually scripture that Nate was praying. And as he prays the scripture, or as we pray the scripture... There is power in the scripture. And so I believe that as we uh, hear the word of God, our faith begins to increase and we can do these things. And so I want you to understand that the secret sauce in prayer is really using the power of scripture to, be to begin to speak those things. And so as we get to the end of the message this morning, oftentimes we'll, uh, uh, I'm the type of person, my personality trait is Help me understand where we're going. I need to know the details. I need to know the plan. That's just the way I'm wired. Don't surprise me. Don't catch me off guard. So what we normally do at the end of a Sunday morning service is we invite people to be a part uh, of a prayer response. And so you might respond to the message, and we'll have somebody pray, pray for you. But today, I feel deep in my heart that this is, today is supposed to be a worship response. And so at the end, we're going to open up the front of the auditorium. And the front of the auditorium, over the years of me knowing Jesus, has caused me to have have major transformation for the good in my life. And so I remember even as a child responding that, you know what, I need Jesus. I needed to leave my seat, come to the front and make that decision. And so Pastor Stan, he's been in this message series called The Test. And I really encourage you, when he started the message series, he said that this is probably one of the most important message series that he is going to have has ever preached. And uh, as the weeks have progressed and I've really honed in on what it is that he's been teaching, it's the truth. It's been a powerful message series. And this message series is called The Prison Test, or this message today is called The Prison Test. And what I know is that as I was preparing for this message, 
it was something that I had to wrestle through because it was something that was happening in my life in real time. And so for those of you that are new to either the church or new to walking into a Sunday service like this or even new to the Bible, let me just give you the backstory of Joseph. So Joseph is this young man that grew up in the home of Jacob. He's one of many brothers, and he was dearly loved by his father. And because of that, his brothers hated him. And so it got to the point where Joseph was given a vision by God and a destiny that was supposed to unfold. And what happens is, is that Joseph begins too soon. He begins to tell his brothers what's about to happen or what the plan is that God has for his life. His brothers end up hating him all the more. They already hated him because they were, he was his dad's favorite. But then they attempt to kill him. They end up selling him into slavery. He becomes a servant in the master's home. He ends up, last week, if you remember, he was accused of rape. And now he's, he's, he gets thrown into prison. And I want to read this morning's text. So if you're following along, remember, if you see it in yellow, I want you to take down the scripture. But this is what happens in Genesis chapter 39. When she saw that she was holding his cloak and he had fled, she being Potiphar's wife, she called out to the ser- her servants. Soon all the men came running. Look, she said, my husband has brought this Hebrew slave here to make fools of us. He came into my room to rape me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream, he ran outside and got away, but he left his cloak behind with me. She kept the cloak with her until her husband came home. Her husband is Potiphar. Then she told him her story. That Hebrew slave you brought into our house tried to come in and fool around with me, she said, but I screamed. He ran outside, leaving his cloak with me. Every time Joseph has a cloak, he seems to get himself in trouble. Verse 19, Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. So he took Joseph and threw him in the prison where the king's prisoners were held. And there he remained. But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. And the Bible says that the Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. Would you bow your heads for just a moment? Lord, I thank you once again. And God, I don't take lightly the opportunity to share your message. That when you say that the, when good seed falls on good soil, it'll accomplish much. It'll produce a harvest. We believe that your word is good seed. And I believe that the hearts that are here are good soil. And so I pray that that connection and that collaboration would happen right now. God, I pray that every heart here, Lord God, would be open to the truth of the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I pray that as you begin to share your word, Lord, beyond what my notes say, I pray that there would be a rhema word, a timely word that comes forth today. God, I'm I'm a vessel in your hands right now. Use me. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So listen, if you guys were to ever walk into our home and you were to say these, this question or make this statement, I wonder if there was anyone in this home that'd be willing to play the game of Uno with me. It would make my day so amazing. There's one person in our home whose face would light up like a Christmas tree, and that's our daughter, Asha. And so what she would do is if she heard you say, hey, can we play a game of Uno, she would run and she would go one and find one of the probably dozen decks of Uno that we have in the house, and they're all sizes, and she would come back, and she would be smiling cheek to cheek uh, and just playing this game with you. And so the thing that I learned about Asha is her hands are so tiny, and so she's forever showing what her hand is because she can't even hold the cards. 
And so as she's playing, whether she's winning or losing, she's, she's just loving the moment. Me, on the other hand, I'm extremely competitive. But for whatever reason, it's not that I'm cheating. She's just not holding her cards right. She always ends up with the wild cards, the pickup fours, the pickup twos, the skip yous, the reverses. She ends up with all of those cards. Me, on the other hand, I end up with all the yellows, I end up with all the blues, I end up with all the useless cards, and she crushes me almost every single time that we play Uno. And I think, you know, sometimes I'm wondering, well, how do I end up getting this hand? What is, it, what is she doing to, to get this advantage over me? And I feel that sometimes in our lives, we feel that we're dealt this hand, and we're wondering... Why is it that I look around the room and I see couples that have it together? Pastor Trevor was kind of alluding to it. Why is it that when I drop off my kids at, ch- at kids' church, every other kid seems to have it together, but mine appears to be having a meltdown? When we look around the room, we see kids being honoring their parents and, and parents having such a glorious time with their kids, except for me. We look at the situations in our lives and we wonder, why is it that we've been dealt the hands that we've been given? Joseph was in a similar situation, and I believe that the, the, the situation that he had, you can look throughout his life and be like, how is it that this hand that he's been given, how is it that he can respond the way he did? There are times where you look at what you're going through, and when I say, hey, you can persevere, you can see this thing through, you're like, there is no way that I'm going to persevere. There's, it's too much. The mountain and the pressure of life and the hand that you've been dealt is too much. And so I just want to pause for a moment. And I want to remind you of something, that God has given you a God-sized destiny and a God-sized dream and a God-sized purpose, and he has placed you on this earth for a time such as this to accomplish something that will give him glory. And I, I don't know whether or not you realize that or not. Maybe that was something that you realized many years ago, and for whatever reason, you put that on the shelf because of the pressures and the weight of life that are going on. Maybe you're here today as a teenager or even as an older person, and you, you never really had purpose. You've never really understand why it is that you exist on this earth. And so you look at, uh, at this dream that I'm telling you exists, that God established these things from the foundation of time, and you're wondering, you know what? I don't see these things. I'm telling you that that is the truth. There is a promise. There is a plan. There is something that God wants to accomplish through you. This morning, this is what I want you to know as this morning's main idea, is while in prison, push towards the promise. While in prison, push towards the promise. The prison, in Joseph's circumstance, is a literal prison. He's incarcerated and accused of rape. But the prison in your, in your life might be your circumstance, your trial, your tribulation, the things that you're facing day in and day out. The promise, then, is the destiny that God has for you. So while in prison, I want you to push towards your promise. Paul, in the New Testament, he actually gives us this roadmap to understand then, okay, God has this destiny. God has this plan for my life. I'm going through so much trial and so much hardship, and God's saying, I want you to have hope. So now what happens is Paul lays out a roadmap to get from tribulation or suffering or um, uh, sorrow to get to this place of having hope once again. And so we have to go to Romans chapter 5 to understand what this roadmap actually is. So if you're following along today, I want you to know this. Point number one, the main point overall is while in prison, push towards the promise. Point number one is this, be faithful in the fire. Listen to what Paul says. We can rejoice, too, when we have problems and trials, 
Let me say that again. We can rejoice, too, when we have problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us his Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Paul indicates that it's through our circumstances, through our trials, through our sorrows, that we begin to understand and learn how to endure. And it's pretty, it's pretty evident that when we look at the life of Joseph, he is a brother that can respond to adversity. There are countless times when we look at the life of Joseph where he could have turned the corner and, and responded in a different way. But I believe that there are things that we can glean from the life of Joseph. There are things that I think that you can look around the room and you can say of somebody's situation, I don't wish what's going on in their life on anyone. When I look around this room, there are people here today, when we go past the Sunday smiles and the outward layers of what's going on, when we look at you picking apples on Carter's Mountain or at the pumpkin patch and the things that you post, when we peel back those layers, I can assure you of one thing. Everybody at some point, whether it was yesterday or today or tomorrow, you will have trials. There will be tribulation that happens in your life. How is it that I can say something like that? Listen to what Jesus says in John chapter 16, verse 33. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus is even saying, count on it. If you're signing up to follow me, you're signing up to give complete allegiance to me, you're signing up that you're all in, count on it. There will be trials and there will be sorrows. But endurance involves fighting this battle. It involves warring through with, with a contentment and, and, a, and a trust that we have in Jesus. I want you to know today that some of you are going through things, and you're, these things are happening in real time. Right now, you're looking at me, and you're going, you know what? I'm actually going through few, a few things, and I can assure you that God has not caused these tribulations. And in some of our circumstances, you haven't caused these circumstance or this tribulation on your life as well. These things might have just happened. But I know that the Bible says that sorrow may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning and you might be here and you might be going through the trial and going through the tribulation but you might be saying how can you say that I'm persevering I know that you've walked into this house this morning I know that you've tuned in online I know at some point in, in the future that you're listening to this podcast and I know that if you've walked through this door I can guarantee you every single Sunday that these doors are open we're giving you one option we're giving you one truth, and that truth, again, it has a name, and that name is Jesus Christ. And as you come in today, we're not presenting anything else to you but the fact that Jesus will be your hope and stay. And so that is a demonstration to me that the fact that you've even walked through these doors, you're giving, you know that you're going to get nothing else but Jesus Christ. And so I, if I can be transparent with you, as I was wrestling through writing this message and crafting and figuring out, okay, God, what do I say to the people about the prison test? I had shared with you a few weeks ago that my sister has, was diagnosed with breast cancer. And I remember it was in August. We were still on vacation as a family. And I had told, um, I had gotten on the phone with my sister, and I, all I remember for about 30 minutes was that she was weeping 
for 30 minutes. I couldn't say anything. I didn't even have anything to say. She didn't have anything to say. But for 30 minutes, she just wept on the phone. And we had all these plans on our, for, to be on vacation and to be away. And I remember hanging up the phone. I looked at my wife, and she knew what I was going to say. I said, we have to go to Toronto. I've got to be with my sister. And so it wasn't but 24 hours that we left Toronto, drove straight to Toronto, left Atlanta, drove to Toronto. And we had, we had one night there. We had one meal with my sister. And I remember sitting across from her. And for hours, we're at this. This doesn't matter, but it's an amazing thing to do. You have to go to Brazilian Steakhouse. If you've ever been, it's the most glorious thing. It'll change your life. A Brazilian Steakhouse in Jesus have made my life glorious. So we're sitting at the Brazilian Steakhouse. The card's on green, so the food's coming nonstop the whole evening. And we're laughing and we're crying the whole time. But there was this assurance that I had in my spirit when I was sitting across from my sister. And she doesn't really, she's trying to figure this thing out. But she's in my heart as I left. And I called my older sister. I said, she's going to be okay. She's got the faith. She's got the foundation. There is a truth that is inside of her that is coming out. And she's not a pastor. She's not in the ministry. She's just trying to figure this thing out. But even as a young child, the Bible says, teach a child in the way that they should go. And when they're old, they won't depart from it. And so I remember hearing and watching and seeing those things. I called my sister. I said, her faith is okay. And the trial for me, it's not that my faith was shaken. But emotionally, you know right now, I'm crying towards you, is emotionally and mentally my thought process over this past month has rocked me to my core. It's not that my faith is shaken. I believe that the Lord can and will heal her. But these are the trials that we face. Friend, what trial, what tribulation, what thing are you going through right now? Paul is saying you can endure these things. In my study, in my understanding of the scripture, there's no other way that we actually learn how to endure except when it is that we go through trials. And so we have to embrace the fact that Paul in the Bible has given us a roadmap that says through the trials and through the tribulations, these things are going to cause us to endure and see these things through. And so listen to what Romans chapter 8, verses 28 says. It says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to this purpose for them. While in prison, while in your circumstance, while in your trouble, while in your trial, push towards your promise. Point number one, again, is be faithful in the fire. Point number two is this. Be patient in the process. If we go back to the story of Joseph, Joseph is thrown in the prison now. He went from being in charge of everything in Potiphar's house, and now he's tossed in the prison. But for whatever reason, there's a trustworthiness that uh, Joseph has earned in this journey. And he's elevated even in incarceration to a place where the warden takes a step back and he says, Joseph, do your thing. I don't know what it is, but the favor of God is on you. And the Bible says he caused everything that Joseph did to succeed. So now that there's a story, there's a, there, as the story carries on, there's a, there's a cup baker, there's a cup bearer, and there's a baker. 
These are people that are appointed to royalty. The cup bearer, for those of you that don't know, they were just making sure that the beverage that was handed to the king was not poisoned. And so these two guys do something to tick off the master, and they end up throw, the master ends up throwing them in prison. So while in prison, they have, they have two dreams. These two people have two dreams, and Joseph is able to interpret the dream. In one instance, one of those dreams causes the man to actually die. And so that's not a good dream. We don't want to remember that. But in the other instance, the cupbearer is given a dream, and he is given the opportunity to uh, be reinstated. And so this is what the Bible says in Genesis chapter 40. It says, and please remember me. This is Joseph talking. And do me a favor when things go well for you. Mention me to Pharaoh so he might get me out of this place. For I was kidnapped from my homeland, the land of the Hebrews, and now I'm here in prison, and I did nothing to deserve it. The story goes on in verse 21. He then restored the chief cupbearer to his former position so he could again hand Pharaoh his cup. Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, however, so Joseph's thinking, this dude is going to help me out. He's going to hook me up. He's going to put in a good word for me. The cupbearer, however, forgot all about Joseph, never giving him another thought. Again, the hand that Joseph has been dealt, I'm like, come on. Joseph's thinking, dude, you could have helped me out. You could have gotten, gotten me my advantage. And so Joseph has been faithful regardless. And actually two years actually pass. And through it, character shaping is actually happening. Joseph, if you think about it, he's tossed away by his brothers. He's thrown uh, he's sold into slavery. He's thrown into prison. He's now waiting. He had every opportunity to go the route of bitterness, to go the route of being angry, to be, go the route of saying, you know what, enough's enough. Let me do things my way. But he chose to, to, to take the path of, care, uh, of, of godly character. Endurance develops character. Let me say that again. Endurance develops the strength of your character. Your character, then, is who you are when nobody's looking. Your character is not only how we act, but our character is how we react. And I believe that before God can release that promise and before God can release that destiny and before God can release that plan that he has for your life, before God can get it to you, he's going to work something through you. And that's where it's difficult at times for us to understand what it is that God is doing. Joseph never really asked why, and I, I want you to really take that to heart. I've stopped asking the question why. When I think about my sister, I don't ask the question why. These are the cards that I've been dealt, and I hold on to the promises of God that are yes and amen. And if he says that he is Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals, that's where my eyes are going to be looking. That's where my hope and stay is, that I believe that God is going to accomplish these things. Pastor Stan has said it week in and week out over this series, and it's important that you, you really catch it. The destiny that God has for you has to be supported with a character that can sustain it. And so if God is working you towards the promise, then you need to understand that there is some character shaping that is going on. And so during, during our time, during our summertime away, um, I had taken one 
uh, one trip to Yosemite Park, we were, I was actually with some pastors and leaders, and we were just doing this hike in Yosemite Park, which is one of the most beautiful places in, I believe, the world. But it re- made me really appreciate the beauty of this nation that we have, that it's not that we're going to some site to, to see a building or something that man has created. You go and see the thing that God has created, and there is no way that you can look at the magnitude and the beauty of, of what you see with your eyes and be able to deny the fact that there is a God. I just don't understand it. But on one of these treks, we filled up our backpacks. There was multiple hours that had passed. It had to have been four or five hours that we were trekking. And we had come up on this waterfall, and I see this this sheer power and the magnitude of the waterfall was so great, but it was just inundating the rocks below. And it's this constant barrage of pressure that's coming from the water. And as, as I looked at the rocks below, I realized that the, the, the rocks on the very bottom have been smoothed out. And it's the very same thing that's happening as we endure through our trials and through our circumstances, that there is a shaping that's happening. Those rough spots in our lives are being worked out. And that those smooth rocks that you see at the bottom of the waterfall are a thing of beauty. And so I'm going to say something to you that might ruffle some feathers, but just know that I love you. It's, it's actually a good thing, so I'll help you try and figure this thing out. Our hope should be that God would not deliver us from our circumstances, but rather walk us through them. Let me say that again. Our hope should not be that God would deliver us from our circumstances, but actually God would walk us through them. Even Jesus said, Lord, if God, if you can take this cup from me. Listen to what Isaiah chapter uh, 43 says. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. And then we jump down to verse 18. It says, but forget all that. It is nothing compared for what I'm going to do. For I'm about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. And I want to challenge you today. Will you allow... And will you change your mindset of your prayer? No longer am I asking God why. I'm saying, God, if you're going to shape something in me, would you begin to shape a character that honors and that is able to sustain the promise that you have? The very last thing that I want to share with you is this, is that character strengthens our hope. Character strengthens our hope. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back right now. But when you respond the right way, In the wrong situation, like Joseph did, it opens up your perspective. It opens up your understanding. It allows you to see the vantage point that God has over you. It gives God the the authority and the permission to move on your behalf. And so when you do that, you take a step back and you begin to realize that God is working out a bigger picture. God is working something in us and through us, and it's for our good. And so uh, we know that uh, our trials produce endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12, that hope deferred makes the heart sick. And you're here today, and you've been going through the trials, and you've been going through the struggles, and you've been thinking about, okay, it is going to turn around at some point in the future. Hope deferred makes the, ho- makes the heart sick. 
Hope is not just for tomorrow. Hope is for today. Hope is for right now. Hope has a name and his name is Jesus. Would you stand to your feet this morning? Would you just understand today that God has something that he is trying to work in and through your lives? Hope is believing that God is working out everything for the good right now. Hope is believing that God loves us and he's going to take care of us right now. Hope is believing that we're in the center of God's will so that we can have peace and joy right now. That's not deferred hope. That is biblical hope. And character produces that kind of hope. And so today, we've said it week in and week out. God has an incredible plan for your life. And this morning, as we respond to the message, it's not a prayer response today. The Bible says we rejoice in our suffering. We rejoice in our trials. We worship in our trials. We worship in our sorrows. We worship in our suffering. And I'm really challenging you today. You are saying three things. This is what I want us to do. Is I want to open up the front of this auditorium. And I want us to use the time that we have together to respond to the fact that I want us to say three things. As you come forward... And as we respond in worship, you can come to the front and you can lift your hands. And that's a sign of surrender. You can come to the front and you can kneel. You can come to the front and you can just stand there. But you're going through some things today. Every single one of us has a trial. But as we worship today, again, no one's going to be praying for you. This is a worship response. The threefold declaration that we're saying is in this community of believers that we have here. Just like I shared that I'm going through a trial right now, one of the declarations that you're saying as you step out and come forward is this. I'm going through something. It's happening right now. And no one may not know, and we're not going to be sharing what it is that you're going through, but you're just saying, you know what, in this community, I'm not putting on a fake facade that nothing is wrong and nothing. I'm saying I'm facing something right now. Number two, what we're saying is the declaration that God is my hope, that I'm going to lean on him, that I'm going to trust in him, that he is my hope and stay, that he is the one that's going to see me through. He is the one that's going to get the glory in all this. And number three, this is what I want us to do, is I want our worship to be a weapon. I want our worship to be a weapon in the enemy's camp. And as we worship, it's not that we give the enemy attention, but it's that we give God complete focus and adoration and we begin to extol the name of Jesus above all names. When we turn our back on our situation, we turn our back on the enemy and we say, we say that our worship will be an enemy today. So three things that we're responding to is one, I'm going through something. Number two, God is my hope. Number three, our worship will be a weapon in the enemy's camp. And so I'm going to take a moment. I'm going to pray with you. And then I'm going to have this team help us walk through what it is that God wants to do in this moment. And so if that is you, the moment I begin praying, grab your spouse, grab your kids, grab a friend, step out from where you're standing, step out from the safety of the seats. There is something that God wants to do with you. It took you a little bit to get out of bed this morning because of what you're facing, but you made it here. Can I extend one more invitation? Would you come to the front this morning? The moment I begin to pray, if that is you, would you begin to step forward? Lord, I just pray right now that in the name of Jesus, that you are our hope, you are our strength, you are our all in all. And God, we know that you called us for a time such as this, that we will lean on you, that we will trust in you, that in you we live and we move and we have 
of our very being. And God, as we worship you and as we focus on you, that we will endure these things, that you will begin to develop our character. And God, that we will fix our eyes on you, the author and the finisher of our faith. God, as we lift our hands in worship, as we lift our voices to you, I pray that you would cause something in us, God, to just stay the course, God, steady our knees. God, we trust you. It's in Jesus' name we pray.